The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. As always, I am Darren Karp. I'm still Liz Cully. (laughs) Shaking her damn head at me. Liz, how are you today? I'm okay. You know, I'm just living. Yeah. I was just showing Darren off camera my paint by numbers, which, you know, we've really... It's pretty cool. We've really hit quarantine heights over here. It's really something else. Um, it's, it's how got, are you? It got there. I am. I am slightly hungover, which is kind of a rare thing for me because, as you know, you're never hungover. I'm a 420 gal, as we know. I, which yeah. doesn't cause a hangover in me. And I mean, sometimes we, you and I were discussing earlier how sometimes you take an edible, you get a little groggy afterwards, which isn't really the same as hungover. True. I love an edible sitch, though. I love edibles. Me too. And last night it was just Nadine and I, and we had some wine. And it's one of those things where it's like you're drinking and like, you know, you're half half drinking in your glass and then she's kind of refilling it. So you never really know how many glasses you're really drinking. Or how many bottles did you have? Two. So like, but I think she drank, right. But I think she might've drank regardless. I'm not used to drinking any more than like a glass at a time. So, and we had a French 75 to start off the night. Ooh, yes, you did. We're fans, Liz. And of course, (laughs) and I, and I, and I was saving to tell you this to the podcast. So obviously, you know, like I'm drunk and I try and smoke before I go to bed to help my hangover in the morning, which usually helps me. But as I was doing this last night, I went down a, you know, like when you, well, I've never taken ketamine, but you know how when you go down like a ketamine K-hole, you know, and then you like take too much. Yeah, I went yeah, down I'm- a, I went down a, a, a cully hole last night and I looked at your Instagram of all like your recipes. Cause you were always making fun of me oh. for not knowing Instagram of how chef, like a chef you are. And <laughs> I was Liz, like, what did you look in the background? I think, I think I wrote like, marry me. I, I was like, oh, well, I'm one of your podcasts. And I was like, no offense to Rachel. And I was like, it's just food, like no sexual energy, just food. <laughs> I just want to marry, marry I think she probably food. wants me to marry somebody else at this point. <laughs> yeah. At least you will. Anyway, being stoned and drunk and following at Listen to Liz will be the dessert, the the topper to the evening that you need. And that's what I wanted to tell you. You're welcome. Well, and also it's really the music choice. I don't know if you've noticed. It is. It's always like hard rap as you're like sauteing breaded chicken with (laughs) with like uh, green beans. And I'm like, this doesn't match. And that's why I love it. Like it's so does. If you it does. No, it does. (laughs) Actually does i think i did back that ass up <laughs> i mean who doesn't love mystical back that ass up yeah exactly listen liz i have to get right to this because before we get to the queue with our news stories of this week can you please break down the army hammer story oh, for God. me yes please I've help me because really abreast. i've been following it he looks fucking nuts but i don't really get like i know thing. he got kicked off the set like lionsgate or he quit but lionsgate was like uh, supportive of him in doing that. What had happened was yeah. <laughs> Army Hammer for the last, oh, I don't know, 10 years has been subtly but not so subtly letting us all know that he's just a part of the kink community. Okay. Because you went on, down a K-hole of me. I went down a K-hole of Army Hammer. So actually we talked about this on our year roundup with the uh, comments by Celebs Girls. Yes. Where they talked about how you could like see what everybody used to like on Instagram and how you could do it on Twitter as well. And well, he liked some like BDSM. Yeah, tons like, of like not tying. So like he's really right. in, and now I'm going to forget the 
the actual term for it, but there's a term for it, but it's all like kind of binding and roping, which by the way, just for, just for the record, no kink shaming at all. Like if you're into a kink, kink, like that's cool. Like we're not saying that's weird. We're just, yes. Okay. So that's, that's what I'm trying to paint the picture. Like he's not been hiding it. I mean, he's been very forthcoming, I think. Right. Kind of subtly, but not so subtly. Dropping these hints. Yeah. So even the hashtags on Instagram that he still follows are like the binding. (laughs) It's like, cooks on Instagram and like kink to me. I'm like, um, okay, well, fine. Yeah. You're like, all right. So what the issue then is right now is that there are several women that have come forward and said that, you know, they were in a kind of a dom sub a dom. Thank you. Dom, dom sub, sub relationship yep. where, you know, they felt misled in the sense that he would say that he was only in one of those relationships when he was in fact in many. And then the biggest issue was the issue of consent where he apparently was not respecting safe words which is fucked up like regardless in that community and like I used to date someone in that community like in the BDSM community and you know I listen to a lot of sex therapy podcasts I've talked about Dan Savage a lot I mean like obviously consent is important around the board but if you're going to do something that could in theory hurt somebody and you have those safe words are like the constitution in that community. You have to respect them. Like that's fucking key. Especially when you're really exploring, hopefully in a safe way, your fantasies and getting creative and all these things. So that's really the biggest issue. Right. And some things have come out. So he had a Finsta account. Okay. As celebs do. Pretty much all celebs do. Exactly. And somebody leaked some footage of the Finsta account where he was in the Cayman Islands, which where his ex-wife Elizabeth has been with their children for over a year, where he's in a hotel and he's like, oh, yeah, like I had to move rooms because uh, we got a noise complaint. And he takes you on kind of like a tour of the room and then he pans and there was a woman on all fours in lingerie just waiting for him. Okay. So like shit like that has been released. So it just kind of keeps getting worse. He came out to TMZ rather. I think they probably accosted him. And he was like, I'm not responding to these bullshit claims. Fuck this. I'm going to drop out of the film because it's ridiculous for me to be away from my family for four months. I'm dropping out of the film. Which by the way, no chance he quit. He got fired. He got encouraged to quit. But also his kids have been in the fucking Cayman Islands with Elizabeth for a year. year, And he's over here. So, I mean, there's other shit that popped off, like all the texts where he would be walking his kids to the park in Beverly Glen and go and meet one of these people, which is like, oh, you know, I mean, to have like the kid, yeah. he's like the kids sleeping in the, you know, stroller, like we can meet up behind the bushes. Like what? I mean, it's just, you know, whatever. It's so, bad enough if like a normal person was doing this, but when a famous person does this and they, ex- they're shocked when they get caught, I'm like, are you an idiot? Well, he asked a couple people to send NDAs. So he's smart enough to get that done, at least. Can I tell you all, if you all are interested in following this, I have a new internet friend, Darren, who loves you, by the way. Who? It's Bravo, Bravo, fucking Bravo Instagram. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's BBF Bravo, I think she changed the name to. That's amazing. She's I love She's super that. nice. She loves us, which I'm like, fuck yes. Love, love you too. But she's been really diving deep into this and has fantastic highlights on it. And I highly recommend you guys all go and follow her. My friend, Alyssa, who's at not skinny, not fat, who's a, you know, viral Instagram account always like I was following her with this and then the hilaria thing. So it's like, I mean, these people have great roundups and I'm here for it. So, okay. It's just like army hammer. 
Like, there's no, like, evidence in court of him not respecting the consent laws, but these cases coming out don't look good for him, essentially. And we're going to have to see how this unfolds. Yeah, we'll see how it unfolds. Effectively, from all I've seen that exists are text messages between, allegedly, Army Hammer, which, by the way, a ton of these text messages are from his actual fucking at Army Hammer account on Instagram. I like, I can't. I just Which like, I'm can't. like, and then Elizabeth, and then Elizabeth DMing these people, telling them to go fuck themselves on her account. I love this. I know. Well, should we get to the queue? Yep. Let's do it. Hey guys, we want to welcome you to the queue where we share some highlights and happenings within the LGBTQ plus and ally community. And don't be shy listeners. We want to hear from you too. If you've got the scoop or have someone you want us to shout out, Feel free to shoot us a DM at SIAT podcast on Instagram or Twitter. All right. Well, I'm kind of switching it up. You know, everyone is very vaccine focused right now. Actually, Rachel is getting her vaccine next week. I am incredibly jealous. You would appreciate this, Darren. Mental health workers, therapists and psychologists are essential workers. They're tier one C, I believe, here in the state of California especially during the pandemic, uh, mental health workers are, are were the unsung heroes in my opinion, right? because, because you don't see therapists, you know, on the front lines, but like, my God, they probably helped so many people during this year. Hopefully they will continue yes. to help all the trauma of the frontline health work care workers, Lord, yes. you know? So anyway, I'm very jealous of her and I'm really angry and I have a lot of deep seated jealousy, but we're moving you're forward moving in our relationship. Yeah, <laughs> So I was reading on Out Magazine, shout out to Out Magazine, they featured Darren and I before. That's right. And they talked about how PrEP, which is a preventative HIV drug that has been marketed to bisexual and primarily bisexual and gay men, but also women as well. Just want to shout that out Mm -hmm. to prevent HIV. And it's very effective. Very very effective. effective. So anyway, there was a new study that was done and the whole report was about familiarity, attitudes, use, and discontinuation among a national probability sample of gay and bisexual men between 2016 and 2018. And I won't bore you with all of the details, but effectively, while there was definitely name recognition, 90% were willing to use the drugs. Uh, Two-thirds had previously heard of PrEP. However, overall, the study found that the actual use of PrEP lagged far behind the actual sentiments of willingness to use it and Mm -hmm. also name recognition. So 33% of those participants who used the drug discontinued it by the end of the study. So by the end of the two years, they had discontinued it. So I think that's interesting. I always wonder what that means of like more of a trend because like, you know, I think when we look at the younger generation, meaning like Generation Z for the most part, people who are now in their late teens, early 20s, they're having as a collective whole less sex than our generation and older generations right. because it's very virtual. It's very online. They just feel like they're getting, I don't really know the mentality behind it, but they are having sex later and less sex in general, maybe because social media is taking up all of their time. So that would make sense to me if people were doing it less because people are having less sex. But I do wonder with this, like, is it that people are specifically maybe gay men and bisexual men now just as a a community, although I know women take it, are becoming more monogamous as a group? I don't know. Maybe that shows that. Maybe people are either don't like it or have more solidified partners where- That's an interesting angle. It could be. I don't know. I wonder if, 
and and this will be interesting to get into your story. You know, I was reading, and again, I'll paraphrase um, on the BBC that in France, a lot of people decided to not take the vaccine because the general sentiment is that they didn't trust government-led health initiatives. Well, I, I can get on board with that to some extent. You know what I mean? Like, I, I understand that. I get that. it too. And I was speaking to a friend of mine yesterday, actually, and we were talking about the fact that there hadn't been any clinical studies of the new, you know, Moderna or Pfizer vaccine for COVID on children. So there, so, and she has a child and she's like, yeah, I don't know if I would make my kid take it yet. And she's actually British and she was quite, you know, adverse to the vaccine. So maybe that's also something to be thought, you know, as we look at people who are way more into homeopathy. They want to put less in their body. Right, yeah, right. Like, right. I don't know. Maybe that that's could all, be part of know. the trend. That's interesting. I mean, I will say I haven't taken it, but I work with a lot of gay people and a lot of my friends are gay and all of them use it. And they said it's essentially a miracle drug, uh, you know, almost has like eradicated yeah, sure. HIV and that worry. And, you know, Andy, I know, has talked about it and he grew up in the AIDS crisis. So it's, sure. I mean, it might just also be a matter of that is, and I'm, and I'm curious, like if it's older people too, it's like younger people don't have that same imminent threat upon them. Whereas gay men who are older than 45 knew what that AIDS crisis even was like. Younger. And, yeah. And, and even younger. I'm not, yeah, of course. I'm just saying like they live through it. Totally. I think you're right. I think, you know, and it's interesting to speak to people that were born like mid to late nineties, early two thousands. Right. Because when Richard, that's my one of my brothers, he and I were growing up in San Francisco. I mean, we actually like were watching gay men die around us, right? Because of AIDS, and I mean, we were like scared shitless in sex ed. I don't know. I mean, the condoms, like MTV. Remember MTV oh, was God, so yes. pro condom use. I mean, yeah. I always used condoms when I had sex Me too. with men, and God, ugh, having sex with men. <laughs> when I was, I know, when I was having sex with <laughs> men, the obviously thing for me was not disease. It was pregnancy, even though obviously disease is, you know, but like that was, that that was kind of like (laughs) my main thing. Um, but yeah, certainly, you know, I had a friend in college, (laughs) my main thing, thing. but I had a friend in college who was a woman and she had a one night stand with a guy in Italy and got HIV and it was a big deal. And it was a big thing. And I remember talking to her about it and this is in 2008, 2009. So PrEP didn't exist, but like, and there were a lot less options than there are now. Uh, Cause you know, you can live with HIV and it's fine. Obviously she's, she's living with it, but I remember her thinking like, I'm never going to get a partner. So my long story short is that I think PrEP, Truveda, these types of things, it's obviously a personal choice, but I think those drugs themselves have really changed the way that people view HIV now. And that's a great thing. And, 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 and living with that. Um, so I'm going to move right into my story. I know we, we're we running a little long here, but I think this is perfect for our guest, Alexander oh, yes. Rodriguez, it's because perfect. in this episode, we talk a lot about religion and, you know, faith and kind of being part of a community that doesn't accept gay people, not every religion, but this specific one. And so this is a great, as a, as a Jewish person, I, I like this uh, headline. Crackpot rabbi thinks the COVID-19 vaccine can turn people gay. This has to be true, Liz. Wait, also, um, what publication is that headline from? It's from Yahoo News. Oh, good. Okay. But, <laughs> but Pink News has reported on this, NBC. So Also, uh, rab- shout out to Pink News, who has featured uh, Darren and I. Sorry. Yes, shout out Continue. Pink News. We love you. So Rabbi Daniel Asor, I'm just calling him asshole, oh, okay. has claimed that vaccines can turn people gay. 
he told his followers that that they should avoid being vaccinated against COVID-19 as doing so could turn them into homosexuals, which is really great. For many in Europe, the United States and other countries that have failed to maintain control over the vaccine, the vaccine represents the only hope for a return to some kind of normalcy. And this guy is telling his fucking followers, of which he has many, that he shouldn't take them. And I, (laughs) he shared his thoughts on social media about this. And where is this rabbi again? Sorry if I missed that part. He's in Israel. And listen, I know because I... I, I understand this religion and I, I was spent a lot of time in Brooklyn near the Hasidic community that I know that the Hasidic community is not into vaccines and they oh, are not- I live in it. Right. I live in the, the most densely populated Hasidic neighborhood in Los Angeles. I have synagogues on every single corner around me. No one wears masks ever. Right. Yesterday no, was Saturday. They- so everybody was out for their walkabout. No the, masks. The best part about his reasoning though, and this is why religion is such a vitriolic thing in my mind because it's not caked in any sort of evidence or science whatsoever. The rabbi went on to claim the coronavirus and vaccines made to combat the virus are the work of global malicious government made up of, are you ready for this, Liz? Mm, Let's hear it. Freemasons, which my grandfather was. And my dad, we've talked about that. The Illuminati and Bill Gates. Those three. I fuck (laughs) with the Illuminati. If the Illuminati is listening, Darren and I will join. No problem. We will sell our souls. You can turn us into Beyonce allegedly we are here for it that is fucking fantastic yeah by the so way i like that it was and by the way <laughs> let's just say that like bill gates has almost single-handedly with his wife melinda attempted to eradicate not only polio worldwide but they're about to do that with malaria in africa so like he's literally pledged his entire wealth to helping the world in solving these issues so i would go with bill gates if bill gates was administering this vaccine I'd go with it. Like, well, he put a I lot would, of money. You know, he put a considerable amount of money did, behind it. As did Dolly Parton. But yes, of course, because he's a fucking genius and amazing guy. It's just like, this is the problem. And, you know, with with all these people getting kicked off Twitter and this and that and inciting violence, like this to me is just as bad in a lot of ways because you are encouraging sure. your followers to do something unhealthily based on absolutely no evidence whatsoever. And first off, even if you're like, don't trust the vaccine because vaccines or whatever. And, you know, there's that whole uh, argument of them causing autism, which has been debunked four million fucking times. I hate when people still make that. But turn people into homosexuals is another level of depravity that I imagine that this guy, this rabbi asshole, asshole, is gay. I almost like could put money on this, Liz. But Darren, how funny would it be in like the streets of Israel? It's like thousands of people lining up to get the vaccine because they're like, oh, honey, I want to be gay. Here, right, exactly. Take, like, please, Take like, me with you. <laughs> Tel Aviv is like the gay capital of the world. So it's just, I hate- That is classic. This, I hate shit like this so much, I can't even tell you. I just, any claims without evidence, if people are willing to just follow this without any sort of evidence, I just, I implore you to ask yourself if truth matters in your life and how you deduce what's true from not if you're just going to go with claims that have absolutely no evidence. Regardless, it really fucking pissed me off. um, And I hope that absolutely no one listens to him. And, you know, just so you know, Rachel might be more gay when she gets this vaccine. We're going to need you to report back on this. I test her gay level right now. Test it. She's really gay. She's really gay. I think she's super gay. But maybe, like, I, you know, maybe I'm going to be way more gay after it taking could, you it. You could get contagious. You might not be bisexual. You might be a homosexual after this. So just 
keep us posted if Rachel starts, you know, if she's like bedazzling her suitcase for therapists these days. And I just need to know the level of gay after she gets okay. the vaccine. That I, happens. I will let you know. Well, Please do. I mean, Please do. first of all, Darren, thank you for sharing. That was a perfect story. You're because welcome. Your friend who you booked, Alexander yes. Rodriguez, what a delight podcaster extraordinaire has a show called on the rocks. He has fantastic yeah. talent. What a lovely human being. I, just so kind and fun. Just sweetheart. This is a really good episode. Enjoy, guys. Hey, everyone. Uh, Liz, this is a very exciting interview for me. Are you excited? I, this is someone that you actually didn't get via LinkedIn or a Liz Cully cold email. <laughs> like, this is actually brought on by me. Or I favor that I threatened somebody that if they didn't come on the show, that they would have a less toe. I just wanted to be known that Liz happens to be the hustler on the show, and yeah. uh, this one was not brought in by Liz, so without further ado, let me introduce our guest. So meet TV radio's Alexander Rodriguez. He's the love child of Joan Rivers, Johnny Carson, and Judy Garland, all three of my faves here. A true Renaissance man who wouldn't be caught dead without a signature suit, loud tie, in this case a bow tie today, matching pocket square and a cocktail, or two, maybe three in hand. Alexander's sense of humor shines through in his cabaret shows where he can re- he can remember the words, of course, Daily Life and his nationally syndicated radio show, of which I've been a guest, On the Rocks with Alexander, where celebrities and cocktails mix on iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Spotify. Alexander, how you doing today? Woohoo! Okay, ladies, you are the only ladies I will wake up for before noon, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, and I think I've told you this before, your your voice could be my alarm clock, babe. Like it could it could wake up the world. It's so happy. It's so bubbly. I'm feeling refreshed. And Liz is in LA right now, so technically Liz will oh, be for you I am. too. I'm in West Hollywood. Uh, I- Girl, I'm in West Hollywood. <laughs> oh my God, don't say your address on air. Um, yes, I'm in WeHo too. So we'll have to socially distance and hang out. Yeah, I thought I saw you on Grinder. It's like Liz is 10 feet away. <laughs> Liz loves Grinder. Just a little baby cub on there. You know, she loves is some it, Speaking Grindr. of animals, do I see like a penguin of sorts in the uh, background. It's a Dia, it's a Dia de, de los Muertos uh, parrot. Oh. <laughs> Obviously, Liz. Obviously. Dumb. Dumb. <laughs> Duh. Uh, yeah, oh, white girls, white girls and Dia de los Muertos. <laughs> well, yes. Don't say that. We don't want to get canceled before this, no, man. <laughs> you know we're all family. <laughs> of course. Of course. Well, I'm excited to have you. You and I have been chatting in the DMs. So yes. I love I love to meet people IRL and yeah. not just on Grinder or what's another or Scruff. Yeah, that's Scruff, actually the yeah. one that I'm on is really yep. on Scruff. Although I will say, just as an aside, this has nothing to do with it. I've watched I May Destroy You on HBO and it made me really scared for men with Grinder because there's yeah, a sexual assault that happens and it's very scary. It's it's become very scary, and you know, in today's day and age, we don't know who's out there trying to fish for people, and you know, s- set up violence. You know, violence right now, as we know, look at this week, violence is uh, it's the new hot thing. You know, yeah, it's it's, it's awful. So it's like God, all these I- all these white people on meth scaling the walls into the Capitol violence building. Violence is chic. What are you guys talking about? It's just chic. I know it's like yeah. the go-to, but it's like God, I can't even hook up anymore without being afraid. It's like, what can I do? Brush my teeth? No, because one out of three dentists will say you're gonna die from toothpaste. <laughs> Alexander, we do like to ask our guests how they identify before we get down the trail of tears of internet dating. 
Do you mind identifying yourself for us? Yes, I identify as bitch, uh, bitchy, and bitches. <laughs> Sick. The bitchiest. The royal the bitchiest. V has to be in there. Yes, the well, royal you V. You know, given who your parents are um, in that lovely bio that we read, in the, which, by the way, please write my bio. I don't know who uh, wrote that bio, but please write mine. Well, I just realized these are all dead people, by the way. I used to have like Ross Matthews mixed in there and Chelsea Handler, but I thought, no, I don't want them to sue. And now I'm like, wait, I just referenced all dead people. <laughs> yeah, and not only that, but you referenced like the, like, well, not Johnny Carson so much, but like pretty much gay icons. So yeah, yeah. Uh, w- w- the safe assumption there is that you're not straight, right, Alexander? Like no. you're not, no. No, no, but no. no. I did have my straight time in high school, college. I was a late uh, comer outer. I was with a girl engaged to be married. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait, hold you on. You want to tell us that you had a love child? Because the last time we asked, the, we had this conversation, we had a huge bomb drop in our episode uh, that there was a child looming around. Uh, yeah. Do you have a love child that's out there in the ether? You know, I am Latino and we do love to uh, to procreate. So you 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 never know. Um, we're like sprinklers. <laughs> Actually, just because you brought it up and I want to get into it right away before we get into your backstory, which is what I'm yeah. about to ask you. But when you say you're Latino, is Latinx the proper term? Is Latino Latina still okay to use? If, if I called you Latinx, would you be offended? What's the right way to say that? You know, and I think Darren, you and I have even talked about this, and this is why I yeah. say, you know, my, my pronouns are bitchy bitches, whatever. And it's yeah. not it's not to make light of the need for pronouns and for those individuals that use pronouns, but we are so convoluted right now, socially and politically. And then to add, you know, the stress of pronouns on top of that, I've never ascribed to any labels, even in the bear community, even in the gay community. I I personally don't use labels because I really don't need them because I'm everything and I don't take offense to anything. Obviously with like my, my sense of humor and with my, my kind of style of comedy, my appreciation for comedy, you know, PC, on PC, as long as it's not uh, malicious, you know, anything goes. And even if you use wrong labels, it's a time that we can take to educate other people and inform other people in a friendly way. So you can call me uh, Latin, Latina, Latino, Latin X, you know, we, we keep adding all these alphabets and all of these terms. And it's like, you know, let's take a breath. Let's catch up, you know, mainstream USA. Let's catch them up to where we are. I mean, many of USA is not even on LGT. Uh, you know what I mean? Right. So it's like, let's just catch everybody up and take a breath. So you can use Latinx. And I know that the younger generation, and I'm aging myself here, you know, loves that. And I was raised in Southern California. I was the only Latin kid in uh, a private school which is so ironic because Southern California, I mean, we're we're everywhere. But in school, I was the only Latin kid. And so my culture uh, was kind of of brushed aside. And I was kind of taught that from my grandma who came over when, you know, she came over from Mexico when she was a young girl. And the way to be American was, you know, to be patriotic and kind of brush your culture under the table because you had to fit in and you had to assimilate. So I didn't grow up kind of learning my culture. The Spanish I learned was in high school, although my accent is super bad anyway. So I was an embarrassment there. But, really? Oh my God, it's so bad. Even like, I, I can't even order a Del Taco. They just like look at me funny like, <laughs> oh my God, well, who's and, this person? Well, you're ordering a Del Taco in LA, sweetie. That's your number one problem. Yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> questionable. And you know, what's really interesting, and I was going to make a joke and ask you like, can Hillary Baldwin identify as Latinx? Can we talk? I mean, well, no, and I want to talk about it, but I don't want to monopolize your story. But what's interesting to hear, you know, you talk about your upbringing and that you didn't learn Spanish in your home, even though you're it sounds like your grandmother at least came from Mexico. Where in Mexico is she from, by the way? It's a small town called Parral. 
And she came over with her seven brothers and sisters and they did the whole, they had to wait at the border for six months living in a hotel until they could all, you know, come over. But they did the process and they had so many kids. It was like, it was so tedious that uh, they just started copying the siblings' birth dates on the American papers. So uh, my grandma has three official or had three official birth dates that according to her social security card and, and whatnot. But, you know, my grandfather packaged up his whole family. They had a huge house in Mexico and he packaged everybody up to come to America to make a better life for the family and he was a carpenter and so in El Paso Texas he designed this kind of frame and this is way we're talking you know we're talking way like in the 20s he developed these kind of artful frames that he became known for and his architecture is still seen in parts of El Paso but that's you know amazing. he came here to work hard and and contribute and you know, that's part of the culture I came from that now I'm beginning to rediscover. I'm, I'm hearing Latinx stories. I'm hearing stories of all Latin cultures. And it, it's an exciting time because our younger generation are not afraid to tell their story and they're not afraid to be proud of their story. And it's that kind of positive energy that I just love from all the minority communities. I mean, women, Black community, Latin community, LGBTQ, we are loud. This is actually a perfect segue into what we want to get into because I wanted to kind of take it back to maybe baby Alexander. And, I, and I'm realizing now that you go by Alexander so you don't get confused with the baseball player, Alex Rodriguez. That's oh, yes. really, yeah, that's what I thought. It's six and one half a dozen of the other, you know, you guys Can are the I same. tell you how I Googled you just to get more background? You went on his OnlyFans page. Yeah, I right. did go on his OnlyFans. Thank you Only for flans. all that. Only flans page. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did have to, but I was like, Alexander Rodriguez. That didn't yeah. work. Alex Rodriguez. And then I was like, Alexander Rodriguez, gay person. And that you were there. You were the first one, actually. <laughs> that's his that's his favorite Google search. He's he's famous now for this. Yes. However, there are lots of people wondering if Alex Rodriguez is in fact gay as well. So just Reddit wants to know. <laughs> I mean, with, with that booty, we know God only graces gay people with amazing booties. So mm, that's in the that's in the talk. Bible, essentially. That is basically page one. Um, but this is this is sort of an important thing because I I mean you gave your second generation uh, family is both your parents both your parents' yeah. parents are from Mexico. Yes, both right. sides. Yes. Okay, yeah. So one hundred percent Mexican. How, in your upbringing, you were the only Latin kid, you said, in your school. How did you first know that maybe you weren't straight or gay, however you want to say it? You know, I was a late bloomer, and I think a lot had to do, uh, raised in an ultra-conservative home, you know, uh, some of the Latin culture we really ascribe to, such as you don't talk about family issues, you don't talk about mental illness, you don't talk about sexuality. My mom and I, as close as we are, we're best friends. We still haven't had a sex talk. you need to but she knows you're yeah. oh my god she okay. uh she, she, she was one of the spokespeople for pflag's national voting campaign she's in their video campaign she took Amazing. me to my first gay bar she bought me my first gay pride like whatever i mean no, she's all on board but like the actual talking about sex i mean we can't even say the word heart in like in, in like like you just don't say that like even saying it makes me nervous <laughs> wow <laughs> and so growing up sexuality just wasn't talked about. Like when you woke up in the morning, you took your shower, you got dressed, and then you left your bedroom. You didn't walk. I didn't see my grandma in pajamas until I was uh, in in college. Like it just, it's a whole different culture. That was, 
was my upbringing though? Is it are what are white people walking around naked around their kids? What's happening here? Yeah, I think some white people are. Uh, I'm not sure about all white people, but it, what, it, what's interesting <laughs> to me is like, and maybe this is just because you know my boss Andy goes to Brazil all the time with Anderson Cooper and just. The Latin community yeah, happens why. to, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just just saying he likes his Brazilian men, but I will say that the Latin community to me feels very, even though maybe the Catholic thing, and I and I definitely want to touch on to that, but it feels very like affectionate and se- like it does feel very like sexual and sex positive in a way. Like it doesn't feel like prudish to me. Like if I meet a Latin family, they're hugging me, they're kissing me, they're inviting, they're inviting me in. We're getting food, we're talking, we're gabbing, like. It almost feels like the opposite but of I what it would intimacy be. Intimacy and sexuality is a very different. And I'm well, just going right. to preface all of this with what's random and what I'm bringing to this is that I've actually had family in Mexico, in Guadalajara, and Puerto Vallarta for 65 years, all white people. I don't know how Hillary Baldwin went down that route. It sounds like my background was similar to hers, but I was raised around a lot of Mexican culture. So I hear what you're saying, Alexander. But it's interesting because I think, Darren, what you're saying is there's like this kind of chasm between affectionate, like emotional. Right. Yeah, like there and then all of a the sudden there's then sexuality, which is like never touched. And there's this huge like drop in between. Right. There's a hypocrisy evolved in any culture that incorporates uh, conservative religion. So the Catholic religion we know preaches a lot. Does anybody subscribe to all of the rules that the Catholic Church has? Absolutely not. And you don't really talk about sexuality in the Catholic Church. We know there's homosexual priests. We know there's homosexual congregation. It's this hypocrisy where, you know, we, we love to be affectionate and all that, but as long as it's, it's something that we a- a- approve of. And this is the case with a lot of people, especially for my family. We have a huge family, but right now my family is just my mom and myself. My grandma passed away two years ago. And that's because the family found out certain things about how I was raised, my sexuality, and then the door slams. It's like, well, where's the love in that? Where's the affection in that? Where's the unconditional acceptance? Where's the Christianity part of that? And this is not to to poo-poo any religion because uh, religion does supply a lot of comfort for a lot of people, but you can't use it as a weapon and you can't use it to hide behind the facts of who who we all are. And so there's a lot of hypocrisy where I, I will kiss you and I will hug you. And then the minute you turn your back, I will talk shit about you or I will disinclude you from family things. You know, it's, it's a bunch of hypocrisy, which again, I have to give praise to the younger generation. They're being vocal in their churches. We're seeing the Pope is even saying, yeah, I guess gay people are are, are pretty cool. It's like, yeah, you know, now we're kind of having this conversation. Um, because, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Being that you were brought up Catholic and obviously you do talk about kind of the hypocrisy, but also, you know, at the core of at least how I was brought up originally in the Christian religion, it's like do unto others as you want, would want to be done to yourself. All of these, there are these kind of teachings of humanity, right? Do you still identify as religious? Do you, are you completely not religious? Are there things that you learned in church or I don't know if you went to Catholic school or not that you still subscribe to or practice today? I went to Catholic school all my life up until uh, college. I was the lead altar boy. And then I started working as a cantor when I was a young kid. I was the youngest cantor for three major churches in Southern California, one of them being the Basilica Mission San Juan, which is this huge Oh my God, landmark. beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, so, so, so you know. So for seven years, I was the lead cantor. I sang three services a weekend. I would sing the weddings, the funerals, everything. I was, I was the star cantor at Mission San Juan, St. Edwards, St. Killian's. 
And then one Easter Sunday, I brought uh, the guy I happened to be dating. For the first time ever, I brought someone because I'm like, it's Easter Sunday. I was a little hungover. It's like, help prop me up. Like, like, How old are you at this point? Maybe 22. Okay. okay so an adult, you got, you yeah. right, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew up in, with this congregation. So I brought the guy I was dating with and at the sign of peace where you're supposed to shake hands or you're supposed to give a kiss yeah. to your loved one, we pecked each other on the cheek. The Tuesday following that Sunday, I got an email from the pastor saying that my services were no longer required, that my last Sunday was my last Sunday singing. And then the other two churches followed suit. Uh, okay, wait, I, there's so much to break down. First off, I'm so sorry yeah. that happened to you. That's number one. I am not a religious person at all. And one of the reasons is because this type of shit happens. Yeah. Uh, they preach love, but only their type of love. And I have no time for it. But how did that make you feel? Did you know immediately why? Did you question oh, I, it? I mean, I, I knew. Here's the hypocritical part is that one of the music directors, the church was gay. I mean, there were gay people on the staff in the congregation that we all knew about, but just because it was out there because I was in front of everybody. And I have to tell you, I grew up with such a love for the church because it was where I found my love of music. It's where I learned to read music, my singing, and the people in the congregation that I met were so special to me. And it was such a bonding time for my mom and me. So religion uh, and the church was always my home on, on the weekends. So much so I went to Israel for two weeks during high school and that trip changed my life because it inspired me of how people could really live the religion in a positive way. And then something like this happens, it made me become very educated about religion. And so I studied all of the major religions and I mean studied, I mean textbooks, um, all of the scriptures from each of the religions. I listened to lectures. I couldn't saturate enough about learning about the history behind the religion so that I could separate the fantasy from fact from some of the spiritual gifts that exist from, from any faith to the crap that, that was put on. You know, a lot of the, the laws by the Catholic Church were, were not put on until hundreds of years later. And it's just, it's ridiculous. So it, it hurts so much. So, and the, the, the church signed a petition to keep me on because they found out what was going on. And the pastor who's supposed to be shepherd to his people said, this is not for the congregation to get involved. And that was my last time setting foot there. Have you been to a church ever? Like if you're ever on vacation, do you ever visit? I mean, I think there are so many beautiful churches. They can be so incredible. So if I'm on vacation, I'll be like, oh, let's go look. And I'm also a history nerd. Do you ever yeah. walk in when you're in other places or do you still attend church or... I do not. Uh, when I moved to LA, I, uh, I was a, a lector at Blessed Sacrament, which is right there oh, yeah. in, in, in Hollywood. Great congregation. They have a huge um, gay outreach group. It's a great church. It just, it, it became a, a lot for me. And then other life stuff happened. My grandma got really sick. My mom got sick. And the question of faith and who we put our faith into in terms of magical things out right. there. You know, we kind of brush a, off a lot on the whole God idea the good and the bad. You know, we should take responsibility for the good that we've done for our lives and be proud of that. Not, thank you, God, for blessing me with this. It's like, no, I worked I hard totally for this, agree. you know? And then, or this ma magic God, it's like, oh God, I'm in some dire, some dire needs. I'm going to pray to God now. And he's not Santa Claus, you know? It's not this magical force. And so it's become very hard. If, if I go to Europe, of course, I'll go to the churches because it's an artistic history. I know, I can't help myself. Hi guys, I'm Caitlin Carter, host of the Brightside Podcast. I created the show as a space for people who have had an impact in my life to further inspire others through their stories, their honesty, their kindness, and optimism. Each week, I'll be sitting down with inspiring friends, new and old, 
We have meaningful conversations centered around our own experiences with complete transparency and authenticity. We will discuss how we face challenging moments, adjust perspective, and reframe situations to find the silver lining. I personally believe that there is a bright side to every situation, and I'm excited to have this platform to encourage that way of thinking and share this message with you all. New episodes come out on Tuesdays, so come join me and start your week on the bright side. What I want to know is that you get this email saying your services are no longer welcome. You know immediately it's because you kissed on the cheek. You know it's that. Before that, though, when you came to terms with the fact that you were attracted to men and probably going to end up with a man and you are gay, how did that change your relationship with God in general? And and maybe you don't believe in God. Maybe you do. I'm not subscribing that, but someone who is as religiously, you know, involved as you are probably add some belief and faith in there. So how did that change? Because God made you this way. And then here it is in the house of God telling you, fuck off. You know, so um, I started to feel homosexual feelings like eighth grade in, in so many funny ways. But, you know, at any conservative Christian faith, they do such a great idea of separating sexuality from love. And so when I started to feel that I was having homosexual thoughts. And I mean, I have to tell you, my very first boyfriend was not even a boyfriend. He was my best friend that we could not spend one minute apart from each other. Even on the holidays, we were spending the night at each other's houses. You know, this went on for a couple of years. We didn't know what it was. Then it started to get a little sexual. Well, he was my piano player at church. So, I mean, that just kind of goes to show you like- So (laughs) There's some church porn in here happening, Alexander. I see some- Playing the keys, baby, playing the keys. Tickling the ivories. That's a tickling something. You're tickling something. your sweet baby voice singing those hymns. I'm into it. Sorry, go ahead. So, I mean, and sadly, uh, from what I I know, he's still in the closet. One of the nights uh, that I spent the night at his house, the next morning, his mom had put that phrase from Leviticus, you know, that shall not lie with another man Mm -hmm. on the refrigerator. Ah, that's welcoming. What a welcome thing. I I need to get that on a welcome mat into my apartment with my girlfriend. Yes. (laughs) Come on, wig. (laughs) Come on, Leviticus. Come on, Leviticus. (laughs) Um, But uh, he and I never had, we never used the gay word. We never used, and I love you. We never kissed because that was gay. And the sexual acts that we did. You guys, this is the most graphic conversation I've ever had with anybody. So I, I have to tell you. You're on a show called Scissoring Isn't a Thing. But you know what's like, funny, though, <laughs> is that we actually don't have to talk about sex on this show, but some we people we just really do. open up on this, <laughs> yeah. to us. So but I don't know. I, I think it's such an important conversation to have. So like my sexual uh, acts that I did with him were not like full acts. And my when I came out as a gay man pretty woman vibes like no kissing like remember julia roberts was like we do not kiss on the lips yeah it was like that and then we still like we didn't know how to do certain things and certain ideas were just so like no i mean it was basically barbie and ken just rubbing against each other without private parts you know we're just like you were scissoring we were scissoring you were bumping lips baby you were bumping lips yeah right (laughs) Um, And so when I actually came out, the idea of sex was still so scary to me. My first sexual experience was one of the worst. It's like for an HBO show because it was comedic and terrifying and awful all at the same time. But Darren, to, to your question, when I first started having these ideas and how did I mix it with religion, they do such an amazing job of splitting sex and making it something ugly and sinful that 
coming up, I didn't ever have the idea that I was going to be in a relationship, that I was going to have a family with a gay man, or that I could even have love or even kiss a gay man, because it was all about the sexual act that I did not understand. And it was such an ugly, ugly thing. So for years, I would have girlfriend after girlfriend. You know, that was what a relationship was. And so if I would have had a healthier view of gay sex as love and as an expression of a relationship, that would have saved me so many years of anguish and self-hate because I hated myself for being perverted. I hated myself for being uh, sexually evil. And it affected my gay sex life when I finally did came out, come out because it was such a gross, evil thing to me. You were shamed by it. I was so ashamed by it. And uh, there's, there's like a sacrament in the Catholic church when you get into like high school called confirmation. And yeah. it's your acceptance into the church as an adult. I was not feeling it at all, even though I was singing at church and all that. It was more about the music and, and, and fellowship, not my relationship with God. My relationship with God was disappearing quicker and quicker because I felt I was an abomination. So I went to Israel for two weeks before my confirmation because I was like, you know, I can't get confirmed if I don't feel this. It's, it's, it's a bunch of crap. And then I started to get my own personal relationship with spirituality and religion, not necessarily a Jesus figure, not necessarily a God figure, other than the Jesus figure being somebody from history that preached to people and inspired good. Everything Jesus, uh, what we've told he has said has been positive. He never talked about you know bad people or put down anybody everything he said in the bible was was good stuff good good pr <laughs> but i didn't need to build my relationship with a jesus figure as a god or a god figure as a god it was more about my spirituality with the world around me and seeing how the people live in israel they live their religion from the minute they wake up to the minute they go to bed meaning it's in how they work it's in how they talk to people it's how they dress you know, here in America, it's not so much. You could look and it's like, you really don't know what people's religion are because they'll go, they'll go preach it for an hour in the building and the minute they're in the parking lot, they're flipping people off or they're hating people on social totally. media. You don't see people live their religion at all in the US. And what I learned from my trip was that it is your own relationship. And if it doesn't saturate your entire life, then it's not really something that you should ascribe to or, 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 or preach. And so I came wow. back from that trip very different. And, and I hate to say it because of uh, situations, I, I am uh, not, not religious anymore in the sense that I believe in a God or a Jesus at all. You're not an organized religion. You might have some sort of, or do you have like a spiritual anything or would you describe yourself as an atheist? An yeah, I, I guess I'm a spiritual atheist. There's a big question mark. I don't believe that there's a, some superpower that's organizing the world like a puppet master. Yeah. I don't believe that there's this magic place we go to when we die because we've been good or we've been bad. Um, I just don't believe in that. Um, and it, it's, it's a question mark. I don't want to say it's a definite. You know, life changes us. And as we grow older, even this last year, look how life has changed all of us in so many different ways. This idea may shift and that's okay you know, to shift, but I'm, I'm more worried about the relationship I have with other people and the good that I do in my own life. I don't need to follow a rule book. If you're a bad person, you're a bad person. It doesn't matter. And I think yeah. that's pretty, like people can feel that, right? Yeah. 
Well, I wanted to say I, I am an atheist. As I am, a, I am, I am a staunch atheist. But atheism is not saying that God doesn't exist. It's saying that there's not evidence to prove that that God exists. So therefore, the belief is that he doesn't exist. If someone were to bring evidence to any atheist that God exists, any atheist would turn. And I think that that is 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 what you're kind of saying. It's not necessarily there's no there's no definitive thing. It's not saying it. God can't exist. It's saying that there's no evidence to say that he does. Uh, and I'm not for organized religion at all. I grew up very secular. Uh, similar reasons. I was scared of it. Too. Like Sort of the opposite is that I wasn't indoctrinated with it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was always very scared by it. Religion in general, I don't think has... Individually, it might have helped people, but it for me, it's the cause of all wars. I think it's it's a real huge problem around the world. This is why people hate each other. They're willing to kill each other. Even what we're seeing in government has a lot to do with re- people's religious beliefs about abortion, gay people, uh, immigrants, anything. And so it, it, to me, it's just been very, very scary. But it's hard. I'm, I'm hard pressed. I usually don't find people who... In my experience, if something bad, ha- if something good happens, right? You, you said like, thank God that God has yep. blessed me with this amazing thing. If something bad happens, it's all, God is never to blame. It's always, God must have wanted this to happen. It's so funny How? that you said that. And then Alexander, when you were talking about this, like, I need this to work out. God, make this happen. And yet you're passively not doing anything. You're literally just sitting there willing it, right? right Which we have makes no, no control sense. Now? But then like, if something bad happens, it's like, why did God, God wanted do this it. to me? Right. The funniest thing are, 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 are like sports teams. When you see the sports teams both praying in the locker room, it's like, yeah, God, give us this win. So God's going to sit back because he has nothing else to do and be like, you know what? The Patriots should win today. Uh, right. Your, your prayers granted. It's so ridiculous. And, you know, I don't need a God to tell me how to lead a good life. We're all human beings. We all know how to be good people. And Darren, to your point also, you know, people do things in the name of religion. People are actively, as of two days ago, yesterday, hating in the name of God. I can hate you because you're gay. I can hate you because you got an abortion. I can hate you because God says so, not me. God says so. Yeah, right. and, they, and it, it omits the responsibility of being a piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't have to wear a mask. I don't have to wear a mask because I'm covered in Jesus's blood and God's going to save me. Like, yeah. that's people's attitudes. Well, you know, it's really crazy, though, because we're talking about the, I mean, we've really gone off the rails. I know, I, I, it, I, I love I, it, I never, No, but I, we love it. Actually, I have a friend who is gay, who is very out lesbian, and she left Los Angeles, was a huge celebrity trainer, went down to the OC and is insanely involved in one of those mega churches. And what I've been seeing now in Los Angeles, Darren, this might blow your mind. And Alexander, I don't know if you're privy to any of these kind of mega churches, but they're almost like celebrity. Like we used to be like meth heads and skateboarders, but now we have, now we drive like fat ass, you know what I mean? Like phantoms and we live in Newport beach and we're like the cool kids. Selfie. Exactly. And I was looking at her Instagram last night and she and I, you know, I got married Alexander about a year ago and I had a very, very congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for rubbing it in that I'm still single. Thank you. (laughs) Not for long, not for long. Um, (laughs) but, uh, we had a very small guest list. I didn't invite her to the wedding. I haven't heard from her since. Fine. And I, I, she started to take this turn when she got involved in this church. And last night I was looking at her Instagram stories, you guys. There's fucking 200 people 
no masks. Yep. Yeah. They're all dressed in Supreme Gucci. They're all young. They're all millennials. They're all talking about, oh, it's cool. We're gay, but we're Christian. And I'm watching these people and I'm like, what in the world is going on? Like, why did all of a sudden to both of your guys's point, it's like, I'm not wearing a mask because I believe in God. So God's going to protect me. But I, and I'm also, I'm gay. So it's cool. I don't know. It just, the whole thing is such a mind fuck, but I'm seeing it more and more and more and more. Taryn Manning is another one. Taryn Manning, I'm up at Coachella last year. She has me cornered literally in a bathroom with a Bible talking to me about Jesus. And I said, are you like role playing for Orange is the New Black? And she goes, no. <laughs> Yeah, That's a good way to get people to convert, though, is lock them in a bathroom and throw a Bible at their face. That's, yeah. that's the think, way to do it. But I guess my question to both of you and maybe more so to Alexandra is like, are, what is this like millennial resurgence of cool hip hop like whatever mega churches? It's insane. It's, I call it the Church of Kardashian because it's not about their communication with their God or their spirituality. It's about these huge like you said, mega churches that are being built in the middle of uh, poverty right now, in the middle of COVID, and it's about the big cars, it's about the selfies, it's about getting all decked out. It, it's the farthest away from how Christianity started in the I first know. place. It's so ridiculous because it's the younger, I want to be famous, I want to be seen. What's the quickest and fastest way that I can be famous and be seen and get a false sense? It's a cult. It is a cult. Any cult uh, makes you feel welcome, they elevate you, and they make you feel good about who you are as long as you subscribe to their belief. That's what a cult does, and that's what these are, are cults for the young generation because it's making them feel famous. And unfortunately, Part of the generation is uh, progressing our story and asking for questions, demanding answers, and being more politically involved. There's also this generation that they just want those Instagram likes. And as long as they have that, they'll keep going in whatever direction is getting them those likes. And this is like vapid personality where they're not developing their own actual personality. If Instagram, you know, if let's say the internet all of a sudden were to die in some Stephen King novel, and we didn't have Instagram or Facebook, who would we all be right now? I mean, I'd be the same because as Liz always makes fun of me, I'm terrible at Instagram. She's like, you didn't yeah, you see are. this Instagram <laughs> story. She's like, you didn't see this Instagram story. I'm like, I'm sorry. I have a, a life to live. And uh, Alexander, <laughs> am, am I bad at Instagram? Meaning like no one should no. care about my con like content or you think no, I could post like, it more? You're just not act. You're just not like yeah. you're it's like talking to a blank wall. Like you don't respond back. However, I'm going to give Darren a huge positive right now is that you I have seen get a lot better recently yes. on Instagram. You have gotten a lot better. But you know, the, the traffic is coming to you. You know, you guys with the success of this podcast and in your individual projects, people are coming to you. For people that are building their brand, you know, I'm still building my brand. Instagram has become a necessity. It's part of the business, but it yeah. hasn't become my life and it doesn't dictate um, what I am. If I want to post myself in a Star Trek onesie, even though it's going to make me look bad, I'm going to do it because I love Star Trek and I want to wear a onesie. You know Ooh, what I mean? Yes. But um, but it, it it is part of uh, business. But the younger generation, I think it's become like this magic potion that they're all drinking and it's really, really harmful because- Not to cut you off, but even just to your point before, I mean, that's sort of the, the problem I have with it is like, I don't want to become an Instagram influencer yeah. and I don't want me to start doing things so I get likes out of it that feels very inauthentic to who I am as a person. And it just feels inauthentic to what I'm doing. But I do find it interesting. There's this weird dichotomy where 
to your point, you know, social media has brought a lot of great, right? Like it brings communities together. Now Liz and I are able to reach out to so many people in the queer yeah. community that we never would have had access to before. We might not even know they were queer based on their personality on right. air. So it really opens up so many things. But I also find it that on the reverse of that, people have gotten so much more judgmental of those right. people doing that too. You know, if you're like the internet didn't exist, where would we be? I'd still be a lesbian. You know, I'd still be this gay person. But would I have felt more confident if I had came out with 4,000 people commenting on my photo or would that have made me more insecure? Like the more likes we're getting, the worse it has become. Yeah. I, you know, Darren, I have to say, having met you and knowing the work that you do and watching all of the shows that you do for so many different outlets, but getting to me in person, you know, I, I get to meet a lot of people involved with Bravo, whether they're on my show or I become their friends. You have a certain sincerity that you can't fake. And that sincerity, I think, is making you as successful as you are right now in terms of being having a voice in so many different places, because that sincerity you can't fake and that does come through. And so you kind of don't need that fakeness of Instagram because your work is speaking for itself. But it is this energy of, of sincerity that you, you can't fake, you can't be taught, and people can see th through that. And so I think with Instagram, it's this level of sincerity versus, you know, the fake version that we're putting out. I mean, and just, I, I know we've gotten off on the tangent, but you know how people can come for you on social media. There's that Instagram group called Gays Over COVID. When, when it first came out, I was surprised to see so many people that I knew that were out partying, that were flying to to Vallarta, people that have set up GoFundMes or people whose bars I know have been permanently shut down in West right. Hollywood because of the progression of COVID. If we all stayed home in the first place, right now we would be having a very different conversation. A hundred percent. And I just need to interject because I literally have family who has been in Puerto Vallarta for 60 years, guys. And also I was the only female at Puerto Vallarta Bear Week last year. Rawr. I don't know if I, were you there, Alexander? <laughs> No, I'm you a bear, but I'm me. not a bear. <laughs> okay, well, next yeah. year, maybe I'll host it if, if anything's alive. But what's crazy is talking to my family down there and my friend Martha, she told me, you know what's really horrible about it down here is that everybody's coming down here and partying and everyone's lying about either whether they are asymptomatic or have had it or not, and it feels very similar to this, how it was down here during the AIDS crisis. And the gays over COVID, Darren, do you know anything about gays over COVID? Do you want us to give you a little update? Yeah, give me a, give me a little, and for the audience who might not know, go ahead. So gays over COVID started as a way for the gays to call each other out who are traveling and throwing house parties or actually traveling. And so it kind of started off as, as a funny, you know, gays are so over COVID. And so they would repost pictures that people have put on their social media. None of it is like hidden camera stuff at all. None of it. It's, it's like all proud. repost. Yeah, it's yeah. all repost what influencers themselves have put out. So if I'm a, a RuPaul drag race queen, two of them were caught taking a selfie. Hey, hey, look at us partying. This Instagram would repost it and be like, oh, I guess COVID's not in PV. And it started off as a very kind of tongue in cheek, like tisk right. tisk. And then it became this kind of violent movement. It's yeah. been covered on CNN, Rolling Stone, every major media as now gays are really being called out. Uh, people are losing their jobs. People are losing their relationships. And we're seeing people in the medical field that are losing their jobs because they're taking these pictures. They have uh, gotten the vaccine or they have gotten money from GoFundMe from being sick. And here they are partying with the rest. And so now it's kind of turned. Yep. And I have to tell you, I got caught up in the moment and I had some influencer friends 
that I've worked with or did have plans to work with. And I was so tempted to send the posts that I was receiving to them because I think there should be a level of, uh, you, you have to keep people to, to what they're saying. So if they're saying, I love the gay community and I'm part of it, then you can't be partying and spreading this disease. I was so tempted and caught up in it. And I thought, what am I doing? It's become a witch hunt. And then I posted a picture from my last show that I did with my producer, who's in my quarantine bubble. We show up to the studio one day out of the week with our COVID test, and we have not seen any other people. And so we took a picture together. And then this whole gazing over COVID turned on me. And I had three good friends say, I'm going to report you. How dare you? You are next to this person. person, By the way, one person who's been in my quarantine bubble. And it's like, what have we become? And I I almost... I almost subscribed to it and sent, oh, look at this person, look at that person. And so there's this fine edge. It's like now the gays are being called and losing their jobs, which I think they should be called out and should be held responsible. But at the same time, I mean, we're just going to turn everybody in. And now we have this hateful energy towards each other. Uh, I still don't know where I stand on on it. It's a really tricky thing. The solution is to become a lesbian and don't go out because lesbians don't go out. So we're fine. We're not not partying with 45 people. We're like, we're home reading books. We're good. We got our wives. We got our girlfriends. But I do think it's ironic that the people, and I know a couple, specifically gay men with this, I'm not saying every gay man, but I'm saying the people that I know who do this happen to be gay men, they are advocating for mask mandates and advocating for all these like these these political views that how could people not be doing this? You're fucking rude for not wearing a mask. And then yep. they go to Puerto Vallarta yep. and, and party all the time. And I'm like, why would I take political advice from you? And also just the entitlement of, you know, Americans to then go and do their that's, dirty work in Puerto Vallarta, which really exactly. fucking pisses me off. Because as you know, culturally going to hospitals and going to the doctor is actually not something, you know, to my knowledge and with my family and friends in Mexico, it's not like, you're not like, oh, I'm just going to like go to the doctor to go to the doctor. It's usually There's like no dire checkups, straits. No. That's just not culturally how it's done down there. And so, or for, from what my understanding so it's just such a fucking bunch of bullshit. It's kind of the hypocrisy in religion, though, that you were saying. It that's, is. That's, I was literally going to say that it's the same hypocrisy, you know, in the religion of gay men who want to party. It's like, oh, you know, uh, how dare Trumpers not wear masks? And, you know, uh, let's save and, WeHo exactly. and save nightlife. And it's like, right. you you're literally... sweetie, you're partying in fucking Aruba right yeah. now. So fuck you. Like, what the fuck? But, but I don't understand their craziness is that they're posting it. So either they don't think their followers care enough or they don't think that they're being, I, I, that's the part I don't understand. And that's where, like I said, gays over COVID is actually using their own footage. They're not creating something. There are no secret videos being taken. And so if you put it out there, then you have to be held responsible for anything you say. Any person, uh, you know, be it a politician, a celebrity, a reality TV person, whatever you put out there can be used against you because you put it out there in, in, in the first place. As my mom said to me when I got in trouble in Mr. Martin's class, I got in trouble for passing a note to Emily Bell in third grade. And my mom sat me down in front of the principal and was like, don't ever put it in writing and don't take a picture. And yep. my mom is a scary motherfucker and she is correct (laughs) well on that note i feel like we should play scissor me this i i want to i just actually have one i just before we just go go. to be actually liz you wrote this question and i think it's actually important um that i wanted to ask alexander because for the credit 
Yeah, I'm giving you the credit to this because I think it's really interesting just kind of moving away from gays for COVID, but, you know, talking about your, your Latino upbringing, what is unique to the Latinx queer experience that someone who's not oh, yeah. Latinx, like myself, wouldn't understand? Like, is there something different in the Latinx community, maybe because it's heavily Catholic or something that maybe a, a normal white gay person might not get? And how, is it different than other queer subgroups or not at all? There's two elements, I would say. Some of it, it would be overcoming our own uh, cultural idea of machismo. So when we choose to Mm, be with somebody, we're not just saying, you know, I'm coming out as a gay man in the U.S. I'm also coming out against hundreds of years of oppression and this idea of what a man should be. And like I said, it even played with my own sexuality. What position do you have in the bedroom? Because it's culturally ingrained. So I would say Latin men uh, when they are, are in a relationship, they're over, overcoming more than just their sexuality. They're overcoming uh, years of family culture and this idea of what a man is. So I would say that. And then number two, you know, we joke, it's like, don't date a Latino. We are crazy. We are crazy. I will tell you that. <laughs> we are so passionate. We'll be like your, your number one uh, hero lifting you up and we will be the best in the bedroom and we will, oh. we will love you. We will love you to death. But if you cross us, girl, yeah. So we are a deeply passionate people. And, you know, some of the gay couples I know, they're so nice and they're just nice and they do everything nice. They are not having fights like Latin do. <laughs> but they're not having the sex that Latin people are having either. So it's, it's a trade-off here. Why do, you, trade-off. why do you think people are going to Brazil? <laughs> <laughs> Only- <laughs> also, Darren, thanks for that. I did really like that question that I wrote. <laughs> oh, God, she's not going to let this go. Okay, let's play Scissor Me This. Basically, Alexander, this is just a round, rapid-fire round of queer nonsense bullshit. We just like to ask our fans, Liz, you go first. Hottest straight celebrity that should be out as a bear? Tom Hardy. Hands down. <gasps> God, oh, my God. I lo- Liz is obsessed my- with Tom Hardy. I obsessed. love Tom Hardy. No, no. I- you don't even understand. I'll even watch his shitty mob movies Girl, just for him. <laughs> I would fuck the shit out of Tom Hardy. Oh my God, he's so good. Even in that awful Al Capone movie, I'd still be like, okay. You'd be like, fine. Shag, Mary kill, gay edition. Barbara, Bet or Cher? I would shag Bet Midler because she would know how to do it. Obvi. I would marry Cher because she could support me and make me laugh and sing to me every single day. You killing Barbara? You know, I'm not the biggest Barbara fan. Her voice is amazing. Her personality. Mm. Oh. I'm actually, I think that was a, that was a strong lineup there. Yeah. Thank you. It was, I thought he was going to have difficulty, but no, he was like, (laughs) Barbara. What's the biggest misconception about the OC when you tell people that you're from there? That we're all rich. I mean, my girlfriend's from OC. I mean, I, mean, I guess that's what I, I guess that's what I thought too. Yeah, so. I mean, okay. my my mom was single mom. She worked three different jobs just to put me through private school and uh, voice lessons. Three jobs, and I mean, she was she was always working. Bless her heart. Oh, you might not want to say this, but for our of our show, you have to say it. Worst guest you ever had on your show that you thought was going to be incredible, like biggest dud. Oh, God, Darren, that I know. Oh, um. <laughs> Okay, you know what? I'm I'm gonna make this, and he, he he's vocal about it too. Not that he was such a great get. I was just so excited to talk with him. God, what's even his name? I've even blocked it out. Wow. The guy from Matt. The, the guy from Mad TV who played Stuart. Uh, oh. Um, 
Yeah, Stuart. Yeah, Stuart. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, Michael McDonald an... or something like that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I was so excited to have him on because you know he does all uh, all of like the who's the director of Bridesmaids, Paul Feig? whatever. Yeah, but Paul Feig, he does all of those. He's in all those movies, and he was so funny on Mad TV. And I wanted to talk about his creative process and all that. He was such a dick to the point of halfway through, I was like, should we even continue? He was oh such God. a dick. I guess you are what you eat. Oh, oh. Wow, that's why I love Alexander. <laughs> you are what you eat. That's the name of this title of this podcast right now. You just gave Liz the title of the podcast, so there you go. Um, oh, la- no. Last one for you. Yeah. Dick pick you wish you got from a celebrity. Oh, God. Uh, the guy from Bridgerton, the one that they want to be the next 007, Roger Jean Page. Yes. Oh, get it. Get it. Yeah. I'm on episode like three and I'm just starting to get into it. So I at first I was like, I don't really like this, but I guess I'm forced to watch this. Can I can I tell you one show to watch? And Darren knows I've been so crazy about this. Have you watched Veneno? I have not, but it's it's on it's it, it's on my next. And I totally agree with you with with Bridgerton. It's kind of a silly show, and with everything going on, I'm like, do I have time to watch a silly show? And it took me about three to four episodes, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to watch a silly show. And now I'm enjoying the watching stutter, the silly. The stutter brought me back in, but please, because I have a stutter too. Oh God, Liz! <laughs> <laughs> I have you a have feeling I'm being Veneno. X'd out of this thruple right now. No, I'm you're like, not. Yeah. You're in no. it. Definitely not, girl. I want Darren's dick pic is what I want. (laughs) (laughs) It won't fit in frame, baby. It won't fit in frame. We're going to need an iPhone 12 Max to hit that. All right. Let's just say that. I have a feeling you have one of the biggest dicks on TV. (laughs) (laughs) That's why people from Brazil are coming to see me, Alexander. That's, That's what it is. (laughs) <laughs> All right, before we punch out of here, Alexander, what a fucking pleasure to get to talk to you. I, oh, I, love, I love you, you ladies so much. Where can our audience find you? Where can they listen to you? Where can they find more of the famous Hall of Famer baseball player, Alexander Rodriguez? The easiest thing is just go to ontherocksradioshow.com. It has links to my podcast that I host. I'm hosting three different podcasts, as well as I'm the lead writer for Metrosource National Magazine, which is the LGBT right. magazine. And I write a lot of uh, fun interviews with celebrities. I'm really excited. We have the new Batwoman. She's coming up in our next <gasps> issue. And she uh-huh. was a joy. You, you ladies oh. need to chat with her. She was yes, a joy to, 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 to interview. She's on my list. Okay, okay. we'll talk yeah. about that yep. afterward. Yeah, let's kiki yep. about it. You are just a gem. And also, gem. thank you for covering Darren and I in Metro Source. That yes. really means a lot to us. That was huge. That was huge, and we really love it. And Not as huge as my dick, but it came really close. <laughs> oh my Alexander. god, really close. Yes. All right. Well, for everyone that wants to see Darren's huge dick, you can follow us at SIAT Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at listen to Liz. Darren's dick is at Carpe Darren. <laughs> and Alexander, this was a joy. Thank you for being so open and honest with us as we well. We love you, babe. And I also feel like you, we could talk for hours. Well, no, and, and that, that's what I love about your show. And I just have to give you, you ladies, kudos. I love the fact that you have big name celebrities and you have small time conversations. And I mean that in the best way. You know what I mean? Thank you, you guys talk about real, real issues and it's not full of hot air. It's one of my favorite shows that I listen to every week. Thank you. And when we can go, you and me, Tortilla Republic, I need that queso dip. He he loves an Abbey drink. Alexander loves an Abbey drink. So you got to go there. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. We're going to go to Tortilla Republic and actually eat real food. And then we can go drink gasoline (laughs) at the Abbey. Yes, Yes, exactly. Thank you so much, babe. Thank you. Bye, ladies. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. See you next Tuesday.